Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So every time we start an episode of Positively Track, I'm always thinking, gosh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're so lucky. There's so much Star Trek. And I feel like I'm just a broken record when I say that because... I say that so often, but we are so freaking lucky because we've got so much new Star Trek. And even if you're not that into new Star Trek, there's so much old Star Trek, too. I mean, there's just enough that if you like Star Trek, you can just dunk yourself into it. You're on the deep end of the pool and you can just swim around as much as you want to. So (laughs) welcome, everyone, to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson. And with me is, of course, Dan Gunther, who likes that deep end of the pool also. Oh, man, I am swimming in that deep end of Star Trek, enjoying every last bit of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. We are like, are are we at the point that if you were starting to watch Star Trek right now, it, it would be nearly impossible to watch it all? I don't know, because I've watched it for so much of my life that like... You know, we talk about how many hours of Star Trek there are, but like if you actually started from scratch, you know, how much of your life would that be? Like how hard would that be to watch all of Star Trek? It would be overwhelming. And I know people have done it or are doing it. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've read a few things online where somebody's like, oh, I'm new to Star Trek in the past year. I've watched all these series. I still have one more or whatever to go through. I were just coming into Star Trek, I would feel so overwhelmed. Like, I'd probably just stick with the new stuff for now and then plan to, at some point, watch the old stuff. But because new stuff keeps coming out, there's no dry period to say, oh, when the season's over of something new, I can watch something old. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, I've, I've been watching Doctor Who and I started with the ninth Doctor and have been watching since then, like, you know, the new era of Doctor Who, basically. And to me, it feels overwhelming to have to go back and try and watch all of the old Doctor Who. And that actually is like pretty small compared to how much Star Trek there is out there. So I can't imagine what it would be like for a new Star Trek fan coming to this and wanting to be a completist. But, you know, I I think it's important to say here, and I've been seeing a lot of this on Twitter lately. I've been kind of following Star Trek Twitter. And there's, there's some fans out there that feel that if you haven't watched all of Star Trek or haven't experienced every show, that you're somehow not as good a fan as someone who has. And I, I just want to go on record as saying, you know, you can be a Star Trek fan if you've only watched one show or if you've watched all of them and read all the novels and every single comic, to me, they're both Star Trek fans and both equally valid parts of this fandom. So I just want to be on record to say that. Yeah. You don't have to consume it all, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're a fan of a football team or a baseball team or something like that, if you don't watch every game, it doesn't mean you're not a fan. Yeah. You don't have right? season tickets while well, you're not a real fan, you know? Yeah, no, right. exactly. <laughs> I'm sure that goes on though, right? Oh, I'm sure it <laughs> I'm does. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. And the reason we're talking about that is that's part of some of the news that we're going to go in that came out this past week that we're going to discuss. But the other thing we're going to get into here is the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy, episode 10, A Moral Star part two which is the 
half-season finale before we pick up the second half of season one sometime this fall. Mm -hmm. And actually, this does work as a good finale, which we'll get into. Yeah, more so than I was expecting. It was interesting. Yes, same here. (laughs) There's, yeah, a lot more of a conclusion to some things that I really wasn't expecting this early. Ah, Maybe I should be quiet at this point. We'll get to that. (laughs) In a moment. So, okay, let's go through some of these things now. So, there was a conference held recently. The Television Critics Association had their winter press tour, and we had members from Paramount Plus there touting some of their new shows. And of course, Star Trek is part of that whole thing. And there's an article in Variety where Nicole Clemens, who's president of Original Scripted Series, is quoted as saying, Yes. We are still in development on Section 31. See, that Section 31 keeps creeping up every once in a while. (laughs) She told reporters this during an executive session alongside Chief Programming Officer Tanya Giles at the TCA press tour on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. And she says, quote, And two, the question about critical mass on Star Trek, I think we have some fantastic offerings and are always on slate, in reference to Star Trek shows lined up back-to-back on the Paramount Plus rollout schedule. So Mm -hmm. they're still keeping on that whole thing where we're going to just have constantly getting new Star Trek practically every week or close to it. Yes, definitely. And uh, a little bit of a scoop here. I have some insider notes that I've smuggled out of Paramount. It's all part of their trying to make podcasters burn out program by making us talk about new episodes of Star Trek all year round. Uh, Now, I'm not complaining. I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm excited. You know, the idea of having Star Trek all year round and, of course, in an effort to get people to keep their Paramount Plus subscriptions year round. You know, that's kind of the ultimate goal here. And if that means getting Star Trek every week of the year or very close to it. You know, I'm on board. (laughs) I'm all for that, for sure. And critical mass, it's an interesting phrase, and it seems to be the new version of uh, what what did they call it back at the time? Trek burnout? Or no, I can't remember. Trek overload? I can't remember what they called it back in the 90s, but this seems to be kind of the new version of that. And I agree. I, I don't think we're near critical mass yet. No, and I just wonder when we reach that point. Like, is this something that's going to go on for five years, 10 years, 15? You know, at some point, it's going to slow down, right? At some point, things are going to change. But it could go on for quite (laughs) a long time. I can't imagine, to what we were just talking about earlier, like, there's so much Star Trek that it's overwhelming if you wanted to go back and watch something that you've never watched before if you're new to Star Trek. Imagine 10 years from now. I mean, you're going to bring up a menu of all these Star Trek tiles and you're going to, I don't know, how many are going to be there? 20? I don't know. 30? You know, because we could have a lot of short-lived s- series in there, right? Mm-hmm. There's just maybe one season of something and you'll look at it and you go, I don't even know where to begin. Which kind of brings us to this other comment as well. Uh, there's a later panel that was focused specifically on Strange New Worlds. And Alex Kurtzman talked about the Section 31 show a little bit. He said he and his team are working on Section 1 and another show he's remaining tight-lipped about. And then uh, this other comment from Nicole Clemens about curated Star Trek content. So she added, and I think you may see a few more curated editions coming. So what does that mean? Like, I can't, I'm not sure what that means exactly i'm not exactly sure either (laughs) i don't know if it's just that we're going to see a various series that are maybe interconnected that are going to come out and just kind of play off of each other or i I don't know what that really all means Mm -hmm. like curated to me like it could mean anything from like a collection of the best time travel episodes of ones that already exist or I, it sounds like they're talking about new content, though. So, yeah, I, that's what I would. Yeah, that's why I'm a little confused too. Yeah, yeah. I, I more to come on that. I, I hope people are are asking questions about that because I really want to know what that means. 
I do too. I, it's, yeah, there's just so much. I mean, we're just we're just going to get overloaded with Star Trek, and I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> Definitely not. But to your point earlier, when you said it's about keeping people subscribed to Paramount Plus, that makes a whole lot of sense, of course. And just so you know, having worked in the cable TV industry for almost, well, I guess more than half of my life now. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. But I remember, for example, back in the two, early 2000s, The Sopranos, for example, on HBO. Mm-hmm. We would see, I was at a cable company where we would see, and HBO has said this numerous times too, that their subscriptions would go up during The Sopranos. And that would play out for this whole new season of The Sopranos. And as soon as the season ended subscriptions would drop Mm -hmm. and then a next season comes and it comes back up or any other new HBO series that had a popular following. So it was all these ups and downs and ups and downs. In this case, if you're trying to keep Trekkies on the service and you're giving them new Star Trek practically all the time, you're never going to see that dip. They're all just going to stick right for a long period of time. Yeah. And even like little small moves like scheduling the, Picard season finale on the same day as the Strange New Worlds premiere. You know, it's like, oh, Picard's ending, but hey, we've got this other new show. Check out the first episode and, you know, maybe you want to stick around for that. So, you know, maybe there's a lot of TNG fans who are only watching Picard, only watching you know, they want to see Patrick Stewart back and his new show and stuff and they're not really tuned into the Discovery Strange New Worlds stuff they'll maybe be more likely, oh, this just dropped at the same time that my season finale did. Oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. Maybe I'll stick around for that. So even just that is a pretty wily move. I, you know, I kind of appreciate what they're trying to do there. We can't always assume that everybody that's watching a Star Trek series is watching the others, right? I mean, there's exactly, some people yeah. Yeah, that just like Lower Decks or just like Picard. And like you said, they're still Star Trek fans, even if they don't watch at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, you know, the hope is, of course, from Paramount Plus is that people will sample at least the others and maybe stick around for it. And, you know, Strange New Worlds, this new series that we're getting here in May 5th, that's one I keep seeing online where people who aren't so big into the new Star Trek stuff or don't like it at all are excited about this series. So this could be one of those things where, yeah, somebody subscribes to strange, for Strange New Worlds, and when the season ends, they're gone until the next season comes and they resubscribe again. So you're still going to have some of that. And we had another panel at TCA that had executive producers Alex Kurtzman, Akiva Goldsman, and Henry Alonzo Myers, along with series actors Anson Mount, who plays Pike, Ethan Peck, who plays Spock, Rebecca Romain, who plays number one, and Celia Rose Gooding, who plays Uhura on Strange New Worlds. And this is exciting to me because Ethan Peck was still in costume as Spock on the panel. And we don't have any images of that, but I would have been like laughing my butt off seeing that. (laughs) That would be pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if no one else is dressed up and he comes out, it's like, dude, are you cosplaying? (laughs) And it's like, no, he's just coming right off the set because that means that they're still working on the show. They're already working on season two. He should have done the whole thing in character, too. That would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this show is logical to watch. So, Dan, with that came out the poster. Oh, people are losing their minds over this poster. (laughs) I know. I was like, (laughs) man, I haven't heard one negative comment about this poster. Well, no, I take that back. I did hear one. (laughs) I did see a few, yeah. But, you know, it's from the usual suspects, so they're easily ignored. (laughs) So what do you think of the poster? I think it's beautiful. I love the feeling that that it evokes. So we see kind of this, like, scrub brush desert setting with cactuses and and that sort of thing and a figure on a horse kind of off, off in the distance looking up into the sky with the enterprise dominating the sky and this kind of not quite sunset but you know this kind of golden haze sun feel to it and uh yeah it's it's got that western feel it's got that frontier feel 
and really fits in with what we know about Pike and his love of horses and where he grew up in the Mojave Desert and stuff. So this looks pretty darn cool. I'm really liking the aesthetic here. It feels like they told, you know, the designer to just kind of go nuts and, and see what, like, you know, ignore the usual type of Star Trek poster and do something new and different. And they really delivered here. I agree with you 100%, but doesn't it make you also think of a cover for a novel? Doesn't it look like it could be an, a cover for a novel? Because totally. we're so used to grading on our opinions of novel covers. And if this was a novel cover, I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to read this. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Uh, yeah, I man, now I just want it to be a novel cover as well. Like, even if it's just like an old school novelization of the first episode, like we used to get back in the day, I'd take it. Yeah, me too. So we also have the official show description of Strange New Worlds. Dan, would you like to take care of that one since you love to do these? Star Trek Strange New Worlds is based on the years Captain Christopher Pike manned the helm of the USS Enterprise. The series will feature fan favorites from season two of Star Trek Discovery. Anson Mount as Captain Christopher Pike, Rebecca Romaine as number one, and Ethan Peck as Science Officer Spock. The series will follow Captain Pike, Science Officer Spock, and Number One in the years before Captain Kirk boarded the USS Enterprise as they explore new worlds around the galaxy. Sounds like a Star Trek show. <laughs> I think so, yeah. It seems kind of familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought her name was Una. <laughs> hmm. Still going with Number One. I can't, can't wait be to number see. one. Yeah. Can't bring number one, number one down. So yeah, I'm really curious to see how they play with that whole number one thing. Like we even had that short tracks, like she prefers to be called number one. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want to see the, the backstory to number one in this series, because we've seen how it's been handled in the novels and the comics. I'm just curious to see if they're going to move in that direction or something completely different. Yeah. So I guess technically like if, it would be Commander Chin Riley, according to the the name, right? So right. Una would be her first name. So yeah, I'm I'm curious about her backstory for sure. I remember a comment by Rebecca Romaine at some point saying like her backstory is wilder than y'all will think or something like that. I, I, I seem to remember some comment like that. Yeah, I do remember that too. So that's going to be really interesting when we get to that. And there's also other character developments that we're going to get in the series, but there's been tweets from people who were at the panel because it wasn't streamed online for any of us yahoos to watch it ourselves. Unfortunately, you know, there was just a few <laughs> press people there. It wasn't meant for us. Great unwashed. It was only for the privileged people of society. <laughs> right. And why aren't we included in that? Come on. Right. You know? Come on. <laughs> Cause you know, Paramount, you want us to be impressed. So we, we would get the good word out, but I guess we're doing that anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't matter. They, they get free publicity with us, so they don't have to do anything for us. We're, they know we'll be enthusiastic about it already. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why we're positively tracked. Maybe we should change our name to negatively tracked so they can try work hard to impress us. <laughs> it's, it's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this guy, Jay Bobbin. Are you guys following Jay Bobbin on Twitter? Jay Bobbin is a TV and movie addict and is a syndicated writer who was at the event. And he tweeted out that the cast members say that they're working on a plot development that now connects to the franchise's history, but they can't say exactly what. Hmm. I don't know really what to say to that because that goes in so many directions. <laughs> it's pretty vague. Yeah. It reminds me of when before Star Trek Discovery premiered and they said the series would center around, I think they said an event that occurred before the original series that's been mentioned in canon, but never explored. And that turns out to be the the first Klingon war, I guess. So, uh, yeah, this could be anything. I'm curious, too. Or actually, it could still play off of season one and two of Discovery, you know, <laughs> because that is Star Trek history at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
You know, okay, I'm going to take just just a moment here for a little tangent where I, I see like headlines of, you know, clickbaity articles and stuff. There was one that I saw that, that I get these push notifications on my phone. I don't know why I get them. I need to find out how to turn them off. But like there's this article that says season three of Star Trek Picard will alter canon forever or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, of course it will. It, it is canon. It's creating canon. Every new show alters canon forever. I just like, ah, ah. Anyway, sorry. Mini rant over. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. I mean, you can have an episode of Picard where he drinks some Earl Grey and he drank so much of it that he felt sick the next day. And he's like, I don't think I could drink this anymore. Well, there you go. That is canon shattering stuff right there. He doesn't drink Earl Grey anymore. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah it just it's new canon. Like it creates canon. It doesn't. Anyway. <sighs> yes. yes. Speaking of canon. So Akiva Goldsman said on this panel that canon is almost always delightfully challenging unless it's a pain in the ass. Now, I, when I heard that, that doesn't bother me, but I thought, man, that can set the internet on fire. Right <laughs> oh, there. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's and it's also nothing new either, right? Like, I, I think about like the original series episode of Muck Time, right? Where up until that point, everything we knew about Vulcan is that they're coldly logical and they don't have emotions and that sort of thing. And then we go to Spock's planet where he has to fight someone to the death for his wife. Like, at the time, that was like, what? That's flying in the face of canon. And, you know, if you have a good story idea, it adds to canon and it creates new and interesting situations. So... Yeah, no, that's that's always been the thing that like if, you know, they there's a great story to be told, they'll find a way to make it fit. You know, it doesn't have to you don't have to be so strictly beholden to everything that's come before that, you know, any idea that's outside the box has to get thrown out because we don't want to shake things up. Yeah, because they've done that, like you said, in the original series many times that mm -hmm. has happened. And since in the 55 years of Star Trek. So. Yes, ever since, even with TNG within itself, within its relation to TOS, on and on and on and on. That's just how it is. It's fiction. It's storytelling. But you stay pretty much in the lines. You know, I never thought about but it is like coloring, right? You get a coloring mm -hmm. book, you know, you try to stay in the lines. But every once in a while, maybe it goes out a little. But it doesn't really ruin the image. Yeah. And sometimes it can really add to it if you decide to like add something new that wasn't there to begin with, you know? Beautiful. I love how you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex Zalbin is a managing editor at Decider and he tweeted out about that comment. And then he said, they'll try to stay in the lines as much as possible, but will quote, body English it, un end of quote, if it's hurting the drama. So you know, if it's like, eh, we really need to kind of make this work by doing this and it's not really, you know, affecting against canon too much, just a little, we'll, we'll just kind of push it that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But uh, Kurtzman, he also tweeted out that Kurtzman added that they absolutely keep track of canon and have frequent showrunners meeting with all the showrunners of all the shows before they break seasons so they can stay ahead of any problems that may come up. That's pretty cool. I would love to be in on one of those meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Actually, I want to help lead those meetings. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I don't know if this next thing has anything to do with the connection to Star Trek history that they can't talk about because then they talked about it. But uh, in The Hollywood Reporter, they mention about that character, Laan Nudian Singh, played by Christina Chong, and, of course, we've all speculated, is this character related to Khan? Well, they have confirmed that. And in The Hollywood Reporter, it says she's related to Khan for sure. And uh, the deal will unfold, Goldsman said. We don't want to bring folks into the show to be splashy. We want to dig deeply into characters that are part of our ensemble. And then, obviously, we're open to getting our arms. But right now, what you see is what you get. So that's interesting too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we speculated that there was some connection to Khan. I'm curious to see what they do. Like most fans, there's a little bit of trepidation there for me. I'm like, ooh, 
what are they i don't is this gonna fly in the face of space seed i don't know but uh you know we'll see I, i'm curious to see what they've come up with it kind of makes sense that there would have been some descendants of some kind at some point i mean you know Khan, i'm sure was a ladies man before he was frozen and like a popsicle and sent out into space so yeah, i don't know you know i'd be yeah. curious to see where it goes yeah, I'd be curious to know, because if you do look at canon at the original series, it's like Khan is this distant past that no one seems to really remember. <laughs> you know, it takes them a while to kind of go, oh, yeah, that guy. So it's not as if it's on everybody's mind that, well, we have somebody here's a descendant of Khan that's been on the ship, you know, prior to Kirk taking command and it's fresh in everybody's mind. It makes me wonder what this character knows of her history and what mm -hmm. she doesn't know about it. Yeah. The other thing is too, if you watch space seed, you know, once they discover who Khan is, they kind of go, Oh yeah, that guy, he controlled all this territory. Oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he is in the history books and he's known, you know, but like you said, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I mean, it's not weird. This is, you know, however many decades later this, they're writing this new stuff, but it's weird that they, nobody said like, didn't we have an ensign on board that was a descendant of Khan? Whatever happened to her? Hmm. That <laughs> might be that body English thing going on with that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then you could say, well, you know, they didn't talk about it all the time. I don't know. But no. I, I, there's a tweet out from Jess Bush, who plays Christine Chapel, of her and the actress who plays La'an, Nudie and Singh, Christina Chong, they're in one of the Jeffries tubes, which is kind of fun to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it looks very reminiscent of like that, that diagonal tube, right? That Scotty's always in, in TOS. So, ooh, that's pretty cool. Yes. Okay, we're not done, people, because... We have another classic character, part of the series, Uhura, and that there's been things said about her here, too. And uh, she's coming into her own. Let's just say that. And she's learning. She's reaching that level of understanding. And so they said that they're excited for people to see the parts of the character and ask questions as she learns as she goes. And this is an undeveloped character from TOS that we're going to go deeper into. And I shouldn't say undeveloped. I mean, they kind of lead you to believe like an underdeveloped character that, you know, they could have done more with that we're really going to get a lot of backstory to. Yeah, I'm excited for this in particular. Celia Rose Gooding on Twitter, they're a really interesting follow as well. So, yeah, if you haven't followed them on Twitter yet, go check them out. I'm really excited to see them bring Uhura to the screen here because, yeah, Uhura is such a fascinating character. And like you say, I think there's much more that could have been done with her. And I'm really excited to see them take what there is and kind of run with that and expand on it. Yes. Well, we have some details here. I don't know. I'm assuming this is accurate, but uh, let's just say... If you don't want to know anything more about Strange New Worlds, maybe just jump ahead a few minutes because there is an article that came out from Den of Geek that I guess was at the event that talks about a clip that was shown with Ahura in it. And we'll go ahead and read some of that, what it says about the clip. And if you're not interested, yeah, just jump ahead, like hit that, you know, fast forward button or the skip 30 seconds and do that several times. So... Den of Geek says they showed a clip where Uhura is donning her dress uniform, comes out of the turbo lift to meet the more casually dressed Lieutenant Ortegas. And Ortegas thought it would be funny to tell Uhura that she should wear her dress uniform at the dinner gathering that Captain Pike is hosting. And so, well, it appears that they are hazing Uhura on the Starship Enterprise because when Uhura shows up to Pike's party, she's the guest of honor. And I think she's the only one who's really all decked out compared to maybe the others. And then what we learn is that she's new to the ship and has been selected from thousands of applicants for the role. And Pike and the other gathered crew members are curious to learn more about her. So she speaks 37 languages and is still not sure she wants to be in Starfleet. And Pike asks her how someone so unsure could put in so much work 
to get to where she is today. And she gives a little brief history of her background of how she studied alien languages and her parents were professors and they were in an accident that changed their lives. And she talks about her older brother. Then she moved in with her grandmother, who's a former Starfleet officer. And one thing led to the other. And now she's part of this fleet. So, Dan, have you read this before? Is this the first time you're hearing this? Uh, it's the first time I'm hearing it. I, I did kind of try to stay away from it just because it does totally spoil <laughs> the scene. But uh, interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm interested. This sounds like a fun scene. It actually reminds me of the Voyager episode, Ashes to Ashes, when they rescue, I can't remember her name. Oh, my goodness. Ensign somebody or other who had been, uh, who had died and then they she was reanimated by these aliens and then she returned to Voyager and she shows up to Janeway's quarters for dinner with the captain in her dress uniform. And Janeway's like, ah, oh, it's just dinner with the captain. What are you doing dressing? And she's like, Oh gosh, I, I didn't even think. So that's kind of funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, plus yeah. we get to see the dress uniforms too. Yay. Oh, yeah. Even more cosplay options. <laughs> yes. That's a good point too. Yeah. So, yeah, if this is all true, then we know a little bit about this. Uh, it contradicts what we just read not that long ago, Living Memory by Christopher L. Bennett and her backstory. But, you know, again, we just, you know, body English it, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, I just thought it was kind of cool that we got a little synopsis there of a clip. So That's awesome. I'm I'm so excited for this show. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I know. May can't come any sooner, but... In the meantime, we've got new Discovery and new Picard. So, hey, <laughs> I'm excited about that, too. Oh, my gosh, I'm out of breath. Whew. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Discovery, we did get a 30-second television commercial of the next half of this season four trailer. And there really isn't a whole lot to it. It's just something I just want to mention. We'll have a link in the show notes if you want to watch this commercial from Paramount+. Plus. And it's a lot of character shots. There isn't a whole lot to me to talk about, but there is one shot that shows a shuttlecraft approaching like a big monster or something on a planet, which I thought looked really cool. Yeah, a big kind of sea serpent monster coming up out of the water. Uh, very, very large monster, I should say. Uh, it's pretty cool. It felt very Star Wars-y, that shot to me, which is, that's not a bad thing. Just... uh you know, kind of in that style, I felt it's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 That's not a bad thing. There's nothing Star Warsy wrong with Star Trek and there's some Star Trekky things that go into Star Wars. So, and there's a lot of Star Trekky things in some show called the Orville that's coming out soon in its third season on Paramount. Uh, now on Paramount plus I'm sorry on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, Oh, breaking news. What? <laughs> no, no, no. Oops. Sorry about that. Yep. So anyway, I mean, that's it real quick. I mean, we've just spent a half hour talking about all this. I don't know if there's anything else that you've seen out there. Do you want to add to anything before we talk about Prodigy? No, I think that that pretty much covers it. That's a lot of news. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear your guys' feedback. If you want to reach out to us, look for us on Twitter at Positively Trek. You can email us, PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. And go into our discussion group on Facebook and let us know your thoughts about all this stuff that we just covered. And there's more to come. But before we talk about this half-season finale of Prodigy, here's a quick message. We'll be right back. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters for helping us to bring you this episode of Positively Trek. We truly could not do it without your support. To join the ranks of our Patreon supporters, such as Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can join at any level to receive perks such as early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content. And at higher levels, there are shoutouts and associated producer credits, and much more. Thank you once again for your support of Positively Trek. And now, let's get back to the show. A mission. We can still save our people. Save? Our home world was destroyed. No, no. You said we were the last of the Vaunacott. You wanted to know the truth. This is it. Stolen is here. Now. 
but it it won't be for long. Okay, uh, sad news here. We had episode 10 of Prodigy that just aired, and there's no more Prodigy until the fall, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, we've, like you said, our mid-season finale. So it's halfway through season one. There's 10 more episodes of season one still to come. But like you say, we won't get them until sometime this fall. We don't know the air date yet. But uh, yeah, this is our last Prodigy for a while. But I don't know. I was satisfied, though. I'm excited. I, I want more now, but I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait. No, me too. And of course, again, we're getting more Star Trek stuff anyway. So, yeah. Actually, you know, when Discovery ended back in December, taking that break and coming back to Prodigy and then coming back to Discovery again, it's like, I was like, oh, I hate that we're stopping Discovery, but I can't say I've really missed it. I mean, I have, but because I'm getting fulfilled with Prodigy, it it's it's like cured the pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) And then I looked today and I was like, February 10th discovery starts up again. I was like, that's, that's this week. Oh my God. Yeah. I knew that, but it just like, just hit me because I've been so focused on, Oh, this prodigy episode and thinking about, I wasn't even thinking about, Oh wow. We get discovery back in just a few days after this episode releases. So that's really exciting. So a moral star part two is what this episode is called. And Dan, I'm just going to ask, because I, I like to get right to it, because we're going to go into spoilers and everything. Your initial reactions to this episode. Loved it. <laughs> I was I was glued to the television for this one, really invested in this story. And I think the writing team behind the show just knocked it out of the park with this episode. Totally, totally am invested in what's going on in this story, as well as the larger story of Prodigy that we kind of get more hints about in this episode. So yeah, a winner for me. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier in this episode, this episode of of Prodigy really works well as a mid-season finale, (laughs) since we'll Mm -hmm. get the rest of the season in the fall. And there were a lot of things that were wrapped up that was very shocking to me. And it really started with Dreadnought when the claws came out on Boo Boo Kitty. That's what I call her. And she (laughs) (laughs) just slashed his neck and his head rolls off. And I'm like, is he done? Are we done with this guy? Because I'm perfectly fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, that was really surprising. Now, I'm not convinced that we're done with him. I think there's more of him to come based on how this episode ends and where kind of everything is uh, by the end of this episode. But yeah, that was a that was a great moment and really surprising. Loved that. Yeah, me too. I just that I was just so satisfied because I, I want them to stick to to Dreadnought being gone. I mean, great villain character for this, whatever, but I don't like villains keep showing up over and over and over again. But to your point, it wouldn't surprise me. There, we can easily bring this character back. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, heck, we can have him rebuilt on a ship hundreds of years away, light years away or whatever, like we did in a previous episode. So you never know. But um, but yeah, this protocore is something that the diviner wants to get and of course he's on the protostar and he's like we'll never get to starfleet if we don't have this which is perfectly fine (laughs) (laughs) but uh but uh i like the interaction between him and gwen and gwen's fighting against him and i love later how then how hologram janeway is now back to being good janeway (laughs) <laughs> hmm. Apparently never left being good Janeway. I like that. So, yeah, we learn that Gwyn made some upgrades to Janeway and she was basically not affected by their attempts to overwrite her. And yeah, she's been on their on the good side all along. And uh, I'd seen some speculation online from watchers that had said that they believe that that to be the case and that's how i I was yeah i have to tip my hat to everybody who thought that because well predicted 
Well, because uh, as soon excellent. as she went bad, I remember thinking, is she really? Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because what we started learning in that last episode and then this one, like they were planning ahead on everything, mm-hmm. right? To deceive the diviner. So, yeah, it wasn't that surprising to me. That was cool. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing that I love about this show is basically all of the previous nine episodes or, you know, a bunch of them all introduced elements that kind of came into play in this episode. So, you know, we learned what the holodeck was and it was used to great effect in this episode. We learned, you know, the, that Janeway had been deleted before and they recovered her so that they probably made some upgrades to her so that she couldn't be deleted or altered again, you know, and that came into play in this episode. So I, I really liked that, that they, they have moments earlier in the season that pay off here. And I like that they did return to what we saw last episode, back to the miners on, and on Tars Lamora and, that they're rescuing them because once they left there, I wasn't sure if they'd ever go back, you know, but now that they're back and they're rescuing all these miners, I loved how they were actually able to take off the, or take the ankle monitors and make them into universal translators. And just how excited these people who've been working together for years that couldn't communicate because they all spoke different languages, the excitement that they have that they can talk to each other now. Yeah, I thought that was great. What a great moment. And articulated so well by the Cation who says something along the lines of, you know, you kept us separated for years. Now we're united. Too bad for you or something like that. But good for us, you know. Yes. Uh, that was fun. The one thing that kind of bugged me, though, a little bit was they mentioned like, oh, we've been working together for years and we've never been able to communicate. And I'm like, OK, you've been working together for years and neither of you tried to learn the other's language? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> I thought that too. <laughs> I mean, just a little bit. Come like, on. <laughs> you just pick up a word or two here or there. You didn't learn each other's names? Like, the guy's like, my name's whatever. Oh, my God. And like, really? Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, because you know if you were with somebody, especially that long, and you couldn't communicate because you don't know the language, you know you'd point to yourself and say your name, right? You'd say, yeah. Yeah, Bruce, and you would be like, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's shorthand for them being separated for so long by the by the diviner and them coming together in this moment. Like, I get it. You know, it's kind of shorthand for that. But, yeah, it didn't bother me that much. It was just like, hmm, one of those moments that I was like, eh, that's, that's kind of glossed over a little bit. Yeah. No, but yeah, it was fine. It's fine. But all that scene of them trying to go into the, you know, engineering room, uh, Janka, Murph, and, and Rock Talk. And, and I love how Rock Talk's like, oh, I can fix it because of that episode where Rock Talk had all this time to learn how to do engineering pays off here. Mm-hmm. I loved that whole scene for a ton of reasons. You know, again, Rock Talk kind of asserting herself and saying, I can do more than just hold the door and <laughs> saying to Jankum, I don't know anybody that fixed a warp core by staring at it. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I don't know. And like you said, Rock Talk figures it out and Jankum just immediately gets out of her way. I love that. He's like, okay, you go do all that. I'll hold the door. That was a great moment. <laughs> and Murph has the proto star still in him and, and they're going to use that. And I I have to say, this is the only part that was probably slightly disappointed because I thought, I bet we're going to find out what Murph is. And we still don't know. <laughs> you know, I have a new, I don't know, somebody posted a tweet and they referenced biomimetic gel from Deep Space Nine, I think. And, and I think it's been mentioned in TNG as well. And something about that just kind of twigged my brain. And I'm like biomimetic gel that could describe Murph a little bit anyway I don't know that's just a new one in my little collection of possibilities <laughs> see that makes me worry because if I ever use any hair gel I'm afraid it's going to come to life there you go yeah like well Murph. you'll have a new friend though so that's true <laughs> in my hair <laughs> speaking to me I hear I hear someone talking to me from above. It's not the Lord. It's your gel talking. Oh, okay. 
but uh, then we got Zero, and you know, Zero was really stepping up in this episode. I mean, Zero always steps up, but I mean, really stepping up and uh, gets shot. And uh, but you know, it's fine. But the equipment is, you know, there's an arm missing and such from uh, that Zero experiences from that. And then also we see that the protostar is beamed out of Murph. They didn't really explain that. They just said, oh, they must have got the coordinates and, and got the protostar. And I was like, so it was beamed out of Murph? No wonder he's not feeling very well. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of see and hear it happen. But yeah, we, we get the transporter sound effect and stuff. But yeah, that was Murph seemed very out of put out by that he seemed very out of sorts after that happened <laughs> <laughs> poor murph but now here's one of the great things one of the many great things about this episode is we did get the history of why the diviner's doing what the diviner is doing and he's trying to save their people the von nakat and they are the world is still around and gwen's like well i thought it was destroyed and we come to find out, well, he's from the future and he's come to his past to save his world from Starfleet. And to your point, they go in the holodeck and learn more. But just that revelation there was a aha moment. Yeah, some interesting revelations there. I really appreciated that. I had like shades of Nero a little bit, you know, yes. having gone back in time and wanting to take revenge but at the same time saving his own planet. And I never made this connection before, but it's also kind of similar to the sphere builders influencing the Zindi to destroy humanity before their homeworld is destroyed in the future Ooh, as well. Yeah. You know, not, not saying it's like copying that or anything, but it's definitely echoing that. Like it feels familiar in that sense. I, I yeah I thought about the whole Nero thing. I didn't think about the Zindi, but that's a good call out there. It's it's similar in that manner. But I definitely was thinking of Nero. Mm -hmm. But then when they went on the holodeck, he says, you know, and here is solemn. Here's our home world, the way it is today, and everything's beautiful and everything's wonderful. And he's like, and this is what it looks like fifty years after first contact. And I thought. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean 50 years from now, does it? Because we don't know when first contact occurs. Yeah, no, because it's, it's still sometime in the future. He says, but history can be rewritten. We can stop first contact. So it hasn't happened yet. Right. But uh, that's the intention is to destroy Starfleet before they can contact the Vonnegut. And I thought that was weird too, not weird, but I thought it was interesting how it wasn't Starfleet necessarily that went and destroyed the planet, right? Because we wouldn't expect Starfleet to do that. But because Starfleet made first contact, it started a civil war on this planet. Their own people destroyed their planet, mm -hmm. but it was Starfleet that ignited that civil war. Those who were in favor and support of Starfleet and those who were against that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of it's it's the ultimate cautionary tale, right? What what we hear about the prime directive that contact with cultures can influence them in ways that you can't predict. And in this case, if the diviner is to be believed, if if that's truly what happened, it could be that the general population was so split on this issue, was so divided by this knowledge of Starfleet and the Federation that it ignited the Civil War. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's something that we get warned about all the time in other Star Trek series, but it looks like it played out to disastrous con consequences here. Are the writers trying to tell us if we don't come to agreements, we can just destroy ourselves? I very much think so. I definitely got that feeling from this, you know, because, yeah, he says um, after their mere arrival, civil war splintered our people between those aligned with the Federation and those who would die to preserve our way of life. So, yeah, this this kind of fracturing of their society and them becoming so polarized on one side versus the other. Uh, I feel like that's a bit of a cautionary tale there. Yeah, I do, too. But, you know, what can Starfleet do to help that situation? 
because Starfleet is the cause of it. If Starfleet came and said, hey, let's try to fix the Civil War, let's try to, you know, the, uh, the side that's against Starfleet would be like, this is what we don't want, right? We don't want you here, so mm-hmm. we don't want you come and try to fix this. And for all we know, these people could have worked things out if Starfleet would have just backed away, but maybe Starfleet did try to get too involved as they're going through the civil war and trying to fix it and just made it worse. We don't know Mm -hmm. that whole story right there. If they're not going to do that in a episode, I would love a novel or a comic that covers that history. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it could be that it could be the opposite too. It could be that they did back away and weren't there to kind of guide things along or help them along through this. And they destroyed themselves because Starfleet just walked away and washed their hands of it. So we don't yeah. know. Yeah, it could be could be anything. See, this is more than just a kid's show, people. And we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. It's not a kid's show. It's really for all ages. But, uh, you know, it is on Nickelodeon and it, you know, it's supposed to speak to kids and to us adult kids also. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Now, what do you think about this weapon that's on the Protostar that could destroy Starfleets. What is that? Yeah, it's interesting. I it's he says it will corrupt the systems of any Starfleet ship that contacts them and turn all of Starfleet's ships against one another and destroy the alliance. So, yeah, it sounds like a computer virus or something like that. Be interesting to see that play out. I don't want to see that play out, but no. You know, hmm, fascinating. Yes, so put a pin in that. Let's remember that, because I want to revisit that when we get to the end of the episode here. But what I love then is Dow shows up to save Gwen on the holodeck and then basically fails his attempt on that. But then Zero shows up and shows themselves and makes the diviner go mad. And that's what I was hoping for. I was sitting there going like, please, Zero, show up, show up, show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a that was an amazing moment, and I, I just have to really credit the voice actor who plays Zero as well. I love his portrayal, and and oh, his voice acting is so good. I I've only ever seen him on The Crown, and I had no idea he was capable of this. Like, so good. Yeah, I saw him on an interview like uh, recently, and I thought I'm so used to seeing that voice come out of Zero. It's so funny when you see it come out of somebody else's mouth, you know? mm-hmm. but that's his voice, not Zero's voice, but yeah. But Gwen, like when they were, okay, when Dow and Gwen are there on the ground and they're like getting up, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't look over there. Don't, how do they, you know, I thought they both would, I mean, you'd have to kind of glance over and go, what's going on over there, right? I mean, and Dow knows and Gwen starts to look. He's like, don't look, don't look. And I'm like, thank goodness that was there to prevent Gwen from looking at zero. But man, I did not expect that the reflection of zero in a comm badge would be the thing that would set Gwen off. Like as soon as she looks at the badge, I th- my first thought was, oh, she's looking at the badge and it's reminding her that she's fighting for Starfleet. And then I realized, oh, wait. No, she's seen another reflection in the badge. This is not good. This is not good. (laughs) Yeah, darn Starfleet and their shiny accoutrements. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But yeah, no, that was was an incredible plot twist there. I did not see that coming at first either. And, uh, oh, that was so brutal. Like, come on, Dal. Don't say, look at me. Tell her to close her eyes. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, that was so tragic. I was so worried for Gwyn in that moment. I was thinking of Raiders of the Lost Ark in that scene mm-hmm. where Indy tells Marion, close your eyes. And I was like, that's what I was expecting to happen too. I thought he would tell her to close her eyes, not look at me, you know? Yeah. But uh, I mean, the, he had good intentions, of course. And who would have <laughs> thought, you know, that the badge. And I was starting to really worry for her. But she's, we find out she's okay, that Zero worked with her, and she has lost the memory of that event, but she's, you know, recovering because she was only slightly exposed, unlike her father, who was fully exposed, 
and now is just off in La La Land, banished to live the rest of his life in the ruins of his own making. The soul remaining unwanted on Tars Lamora. Which then I'm like, oh, wow. So we're really getting away from that whole plot line and going on to something else in the next half of the season. But to your point earlier, he could always come back. I think he will. I I really think he will because the whole thing with the first contact of Solom and and the Von Akat, like that's not going away. That's going to figure in again somehow. So I think we're going to see the Diviner again. I think the remains of Dreadnought are still there as well. That's my guess. Uh, You know, if I were them, I probably would have jettisoned them off into space or something. But I think they're probably still there on Tars Lamora. But I don't know. I I feel like they're going to get back together at some point and do something. Yeah, I think the next half of season one that we get in the fall will not focus on him. And it'll probably be one of those things towards the end of the season. He comes back and that's the cliffhanger going into season two, right? (laughs) I would not put money against that. Uh, That that sounds very plausible. (laughs) Yes, well, we'll see. So... Okay, the miners are now part of the crew of the ship, and then Dow's like, "Let's let's head over to Starfleet." Well, and when what what the the miners are on their own ship; they're not on the on the Protostar. Oh, they're not. I thought they were on the Protostar. No, they're on the Rev Twelve. Oh, okay, that makes sense because they showed the Rev Twelve. I saw that shot. I didn't put that together. I was just assuming yeah. they were on the uh, Protostar. Okay. Yeah, no, and, and Janeway even says, you know, I'd be worried about a crew's ability to learn how to fly a new ship, but if my crew's any uh, indication, they'll be fine or something like that. That makes sense then. Because when she said that, I was thinking she was saying that, they're, that you know, their ability to fly the Protostar, but mm, yeah. her crew can fly the Protostar, you know. Okay, but that makes sense. Okay. Well, at least they're out there <laughs> with their own ship. We but might then, see them again. I think that would be oh yeah, very I, likely. I think so, too. So it didn't hit me as much the first time I watched it, but the second time it really did, when Dow's like, you know, on to Starfleet, and Gwen's like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, okay, good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she knows that they should not go to Starfleet because of that weapon on the ship, but she doesn't remember because she lost that memory from Zero. So we're taking this weapon threat to Starfleet, and no one on the ship knows about that. Yeah, that was a chilling moment. And not only that, not only are they headed towards Starfleet, but now Starfleet is headed towards them. That's true. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, Admiral Janeway's on a ship that they detect the proto-warp signature three times. And they're going to go find the proto-star. And what was it that Janeway said, Dan? We're coming, Chakotay. (laughs) (laughs) And that broke the internet. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, And also the ship, interestingly enough, the USS Dauntless, and it looks a lot like the fake... Dauntless, the fake Starfleet ship that our tourists tricked the Voyager crew in, in in hope and fear in season four. So they've they've modeled the ship on that. So does it have slipstream drive? That's interesting. Mm, yeah, I bet it does. Your final thoughts on these last ten episodes? Well, I I've been very much blown away and very like had my expectations completely blown out of the water or blown out of space, I guess with Star Trek prodigy as a whole, I've really enjoyed this series. It's, it's been deeper and more meaningful than I expected this series to be. And, you know, maybe that was kind of my lack of imagination going into it, but I love what they've done with this and even getting really hyped for the show by comments from people like David Mack, who said like, this is the best star Trek they've seen since deep space nine. And I can't disagree with that assessment. Like I think it's excellent. And 
these final two episodes here and the story that it told, I thought was a really excellent way to kind of leave us wanting more. It really wraps up the storyline that we've been following, but at the same time, introducing new complications that will really get us interested to tune in again when it comes back. So, uh, yeah, I, the characters, the character work rock is still just one of my favorite all time Star Trek characters now. And Zero, I've just really come to love. I can't say enough good things about this show. I'm really enjoying it. I'm kind of sad to see it end for now. And uh, I really can't wait for it to come back. I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, which isn't unusual because a lot of times we do agree most of the time with each other. But, you know, I I don't like to rank things and and I'm not going to, but I'm just sitting here thinking... Yeah, do I like this as much or better than some of the other new Star Trek stuff? But as we've said before, they're all different. Like, mm-hmm. just let's talk about the two new animated Star Trek series. I mean, Prodigy and Lower Decks are on two different planes to me. Like, they're not even in the same ballpark. They're both animated, but totally different types of series. And I love Lower Decks for the humor and of course, it's got its Star Trek elements to it that tells good Star Trek stories. But for something that's more serial, serialized and animated form, of course, this works really well. And I would say maybe the the whole story arc is maybe a little cleaner than maybe what we've gotten in Picard and Discovery at times. Sometimes I feel like they're still finding their ways. This feels like it was really planned out more efficiently and maybe because they only have a half hour and it's a little simpler of a story and they're not trying to go too far in so many different directions than these other series. But again, it's, it's a different type of show. It's for all ages where discovery and Picard are live action and, and their storytelling is different and, but I love it all, you know, and I love the fact that it's not just the same old stuff. Because, okay, let me just back up for a second here. I'm sorry. I'm getting on my soapbox here. When Voyager came out, I watched every Voyager episode as they premiered. And I enjoyed Voyager. I still love Voyager. But I, and even when we got to Enterprise, I did feel like this is just a lot of this is feeling like the same stuff, you know? Like, I'd watch an episode of Voyager and go, oh, this reminds me of that TNG episode. Oh, this Enterprise episode reminds me of a Voyager episode. Whatever it is. It was it was starting, in some episodes, feel a little stale. But because they all had that same kind of feeling to them, production-wise and story-wise and such, you know? So these are all, have different flavors, more mm-hmm. so than those other series did from each other. And as much as I love those, I love the fact that these don't all feel the same. I love that they feel different and approach it all differently. And so this whole concept of having new Star Trek every week, doing it in this manner works. Because again, if you don't like one flavor, the next flavor comes up you might be interested in. So Anyway, I love the series. It's been great. It's it's exceeded my expectations. I mean, I'd give it, you know, 10 out of 10 ankle monitors that are universal translators that lets everybody know that my name is Bruce. I love it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really give a rating, but I think it's pretty clear. Mine's also along those same lines. Uh, probably 10 out of 10 extra shiny Starfleet com badges because, you know, we love our things shiny. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, Dan, it's been a fun ride, but uh, we get to continue that ride next time when we talk about Discovery. Yeah, the return of Star Trek Discovery. So we're putting aside the Diviner and Tars Lamora and Protostar and exchanging it for Ruan Tarka and the DMA and Stamets trying to figure out what the heck it is and book and all of that. So I'm excited to get back to that story, too, because there's a lot going on there. I hadn't thought about it until now, but I do want to go back and rewatch those episodes before this starts. I don't know if I'll have time to get that all in, but I would like to go through and 
just kind of refresh my memory of everything and then boom, hit this next episode. Yeah, I at least want to rewatch But to Connect, I think, at least going into next week for sure. Yes. Well, we'll be here covering it. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, too. And again, as I said earlier, you can follow us on Twitter at Positively Trek and send us emails at Positively Trek at gmail.com and look for our Facebook discussion group, Positively Trek discussion group. We'll let you in and have great discussions. So, Dan, when people want to find you on the interwebs, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. I'm also on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And of course, as you mentioned, in the Positively Trek discussion group, make sure to join that group. We love having new members to talk about all things Star Trek all the time. It's just a 24-7 Star Trek party happening in there. There you go. Join the party, people. And, you know, we all have another party on patreon so you can become a patron there we really appreciate our current patreon members for their support of the show and you can find me on twitter at admiral underscore rex that's admiral with the underline rex and i'm on a recent episode of literary treks and you know star wars report is coming to an end there hasn't been many episodes lately but i think we're about to gear up some stuff here soon and i know that riley's preparing our final episode as we speak uh, putting Ooh. clips together from past episodes. So we'll see, but it's making me sad because that show has been around for like a decade or 11 years and it's going away. And I guess I won't be talking star Wars as much, but then again, we haven't been putting out many episodes, so I haven't been talking about the Boba Fett stuff that much anyway. <laughs> oh, but I will say, and I mentioned this in the other episode, Ion Cannon. I was on a, episode of that talking about episode five of the book of boba fett so check out well i should say episode five chapter five called the return of mandalorian so check out that episode of ion cannon and the following one i'm not on the following one but you might want to check that one out too so i wanted to give a plug to those guys so thanks everyone for joining us and we'll talk discovery next time and until then stay positive Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.